another day, another episode. Hey, this is part two of teaching in Thailand. I just forgot the name of the episode already. Setting the scene. This is setting the scene part two. Welcome. <laughs> So, like I said, I'm going to try to do a loose intro every episode. Not that you need to know it. It's a podcast, so you probably know the format. So, I'm going to just get into it. So, today, I'm still talking a little bit more about um, just building off of my last episode because I feel like I should contextualize my teaching situation a little more before I get into what day-to-day teaching looks like, which I think I'll do next episode, talk more about um, teaching English specifically, but, and just going, the ideas I have for future episodes, I feel like they'll all make more sense if I help paint a picture and give you some more background and details about my situation. So, I think I said last episode, I mentioned I would talk about my not my department, (laughs) the department that I teach in, which isn't an English department like you might think. So it is and it isn't. It's definitely an English department. I'm an English teacher within it, but it the formal name, it's actually our school's foreign language department. Um, and it's called the foreign language department because there's one teacher who teaches Japanese. Thus, she is part of the Japanese, or she's part of the foreign language department, even though it's 90 something percent of an English department. Because um, she, so our Thai teacher, or our, sorry, our Japanese teacher, she's Thai, she's like, Uh, Thai national but she teaches Japanese but only to a handful of classes I think it is only on one grade level so but anyway so it's it's a foreign language department and then besides uh or besides her she has like a student intern that's kind of her assistant in a way and student intern as in she's getting her student intern I'm not really going to use names in these episodes just because I feel like I want to respect people's anonymity (laughs) but um so her student teacher is getting her master's in japanese at one of the local universities in ubon so it's not her art the student it's not like her student teacher it's just the student teacher that you know they work closely together and then aside from those two teachers within the department so there's like 11 people total they're two of the people and then there's also other student interns there's four other student interns English student they're teaching English and they also go to the local university um I think the Japanese student intern or the Japanese teaching student intern goes to a different university but the four English student interns go to Ubon Ratchatani Rajapat which Rajapat is essentially like how do I there I guess there's nothing in the U.S. that would be similar in that it's like a schooling system for universities that covers the United States because I guess in the U.S. we have state schools but those all function on a state-by-state basis I guess if if I had to just think on the spot right now something I would compare it to I guess in California there's like the UC schools and state schools and those are all similar on some level they like function they're within the same I mean state school and UCs are separate but they're within their own respective schooling systems that are that make them state schools and UCs so Rajapat schools here are schools that are affiliated with the king and they're a little bit um 
it's just kind of like the I don't know if I'm pretty sure they're public schools, but they're kind of the more respected. Like one of the student, inter- the English student interns, I was asking her about this because I noticed when we were in a neighboring province the other week, we were in Sisakit, which is about an hour away from Uman, and there was a Sisakit Rajapat. And I was like, wait, Raj- Rajapat, we have Rajapat in Uban too. And she was like, oh, those are just the King's universities, and they're like a little bit um, well respected. Like they have a certain name to it, so it's good if you go to a Rajapat university. Anyways, the English student interns at our school all go to Rajapat, <laughs> and they were all uh, placed at our school, and they all have a mentor teacher. So those are, there's older teachers in our, de- or older is in like, I mean, they are older, but they have more work experience. They've been English teachers. They're like career English teachers, and all of them are going to retire within the next I think all of them within the next less than five or if not four or three years. So they all have all the student um, interns, English student interns have a mentor teacher. So also when I say student intern, for people who don't know what that means, it's similar in the U.S. for people who are studying education or trying to become teachers, how usually you spend your senior year. So all of our student interns are seniors. Um, You spend your senior year getting teaching experience so you're partnered with a local school or you know you get a placement where you get your teaching hours and that's instead of like our student interns I'm pretty sure that they still have schoolwork but the majority their schoolwork kind of revolves around their teaching their student teaching experience so besides all of those teachers there's two other teachers English teachers one who's also getting her master's in English curriculum And then another teacher who he's actually employed. So all of the older teachers at our school and slash all the teachers generally at our school are employed being a teacher in Thailand's a government job. So they're employed by the government, except for the one male teacher or sorry, there's actually four older teachers in our department, one male, three females, and they're all employed by the government. And then we have a younger male teacher who's actually employed by our school, which I don't know the backgrounds or inner workings of that. But I've heard from one of my coworker friends that teachers who are employed directly by schools instead of the government get paid less. So that's just something interesting. Um, and I'll get into being a government teacher, like what that means in Thailand or what I've heard about it uh, in a little bit. So everyone is a Thai national teacher, minus me, of course. <laughs> I'm I'm an American. But the, like I said, so there's actually four, I misspoke initially, four older teachers in my department that are all heading out somewhat soonish. So if I had to make like a hypothesis, it's kind of interesting because the younger, like the student interns that we have right now, when I ask them about teaching um, and if they like see it as part of their future, if they're interested in being teachers, the general consensus is no. And I don't know if that's because of the experience they're having at our school or just because teaching was something well I guess teaching may have been something that they pursued and I was going to get into this about being about teaching being a government position in Thailand because generally speaking teaching is a respected profession in Thailand because you you're employed by the government so in a way i i always hear this it's like oh people like your parent will want you to become a te- in thailand like 
my coworkers, the student teachers, like a lot of them have said they pursued education and teaching initially because it was a way to please their parents who were like, oh, teaching is a government job. So that's a good job you should pursue. But I think with anywhere in the world or any, not any, I shouldn't say anywhere in the world or any younger person, but the student interns at my school are kind of at the age where they're realizing is teaching something they really want, you know, what do they want to do with their lives and their professions? And a lot of them, I think, don't see the need to pursue teaching as much anymore as a way to appease or please their parents. But that being said, I do kind of feel like there is a teacher, I mean, in the U.S. this is definitely true, there's a huge teacher shortage, but maybe in Thailand, I haven't looked into this, if that's not already the case or going to be the case, because I feel like like I said, there's older teachers in my department, and then there's not really, there's one teacher who's employed um, that isn't, so all, we have like five, teach five, six teachers in school, and then in terms of English teachers, there's one teacher who's actually employed by the school, so then once the older teachers all retire, I don't know who's going to fill those roles, or, you know, there's just going to be some kind of, they're going to need to like, as of right now, if all the student interns and the older teachers left, there would be one teacher left. So I feel like, and I feel like in talking with other Fulbrighters about their school situations, a lot have also said there's similar age gaps within their departments. So we all have kind of chatted about wondering, like, who will fill the gaps. So going back to teaching being a very respected profession, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that student eh, well okay I guess an example of teaching being a respected profession is there's this day holiday it's a holiday but it's still a school day but there's ceremonies in Thailand that I was able to experience this semester called Y Crew Day and whying is when it's like the Thai way of greeting someone it's kind of hard to explain over audio you can google images on what it is but anyways why crew day which crew is teacher it's a day to just get pay respect um to teachers and what that means i don't actually know the word for these flower offerings that the students make for the teachers so the students so essentially or the students make for the teachers so it varies from school to school etc but at our school at least in short it was like the teacher sat on stage and the students um came up I think one by one, if not like it was, so basically each class made this little flower, uh, like offering for teachers as a gift kind of. And so they like, there's actual flowers on it. And long story short, the students come on stage, they present the flowers to the student, to students come on stage and (laughs) present the flowers to the teachers. And it's just, um, and you know, they just like pay respects to teachers essentially it's a teach it's a teacher appreciation day so it was interesting though because during the ceremony I was just kind of sitting back and taking it all in and one of the student interns came up to me and was like what do you think about it and I was like oh I don't know what I think about it because there's just like the different cultural context in that um the students had to get on their knees and um like when they were on stage they had to walk across the stage on their knees and like I don't know if the word is would be bow but um beyond you know like when you're on your knees and you're bowing down so 
that isn't like totally i mean i've seen thai people do that in temples so obviously it's like it's not like that was the first time i've ever seen a thai person bow but it was like oh this is interesting though this is something that's done in a temple and then students are like here bowing down beneath the feet of teachers so but i recognize in those situations there's obviously a lot of implicit cultural factors that i'm not fully aware of or that I'm learning I'm just taking in the situation you know so anyways one of the student teachers came up to me and asked what I thought about the holiday and I said like I don't know I'm still observing and taking it all in and she said like do you don't you think it's weird how the students bow to the teachers and I was like oh like no you know it's always like kind of difficult when someone just asks you a question about their culture or whatever and so I was like no um I don't know like I'm still kind of thinking about what I think about it But anyways, the student intern was saying like, well, it's weird. Like, (laughs) you should think it's weird. Um, And then we were kind of talking about Y Crew Day. And she was saying how she kind of thinks it's like a problematic holiday and that it's been like a uh, topic of debate sort of in recent years about like whether or not it should continue or because essentially one like one thing that she ended up telling me was students pay students pay money and like a lot of the our students aren't coming from the highest socioeconomic background. So they're paying money um, for the flowers and the materials that are needed to make these offerings. I don't know the right word for like these offerings or these um, little like, it's like a permanent bouquet thing almost. So they're having to pay money out of pocket to make these. And then some classes, obviously there's some students and their families have more money. So their um, flower offerings are a little bit more intricate or expensive and fancy so there's just like kind of it's just kind of problematic that the money is coming out of the students pockets and so this was kind of what this I didn't know that the student intern was telling me I had kind of thought like the oh the materials were supplied by the school since the day before um like I think we had ended classes early so that students could work on these offerings but yeah the student teacher was just kind of telling me how she thinks the holiday is a little problematic and also how she doesn't always think it's that fair for students to have to pay um, respect or appreciation to teachers that may not be good teachers or that they don't like. So for them to have to make this whole ceremonial thing um, for teachers who maybe also aren't even good, that great of teachers or who aren't trying very hard at their job, she was just kind of telling me that there's just kind of some problems with the holiday. But all that to say... There is a teacher appreciation day. And um, like a lot of my coworkers asked me like, oh, do they have this holiday in America? Like a teacher appreciation day. And I was like, no, we don't. And they were kind of like taken aback by that. Like, oh, you don't like pay respect to your teachers. Um, and, And then like a week or two later, there was some kind of retreat at school. Like I mentioned, I think last episode. So at my school, M1, Mate M1 and M3, So those are that would be seventh grade and then ninth grade. We have students who like transfer in from our schools, from their respective elementary schools to M1, which would be seventh grade or to M3, ninth grade. So they're coming from wherever their middle school was to come to our school for high school. So they had like um, kind of like an orientation retreat. And part of it was uh, it was like a retreat led by a, a local one of the monks from like a local temple and part of it was reflecting or I don't even know entirely what it was thinking about teachers and so kind of last minute one of the teachers asked me to there was a part where it was like a 
Why Crew Day Part Two, where the teachers kind of sat and their students came up to them and just like said, thank you for being our teacher, blah, blah, blah. And the students started crying. Like some, I noticed like when we were sitting there that some of the students were crying and I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, I'm not under, I'm missing something because of language, yada, yada. But then like the students, they would like come up to me and the teacher who was sitting next to me and they would like cry and like ask for hugs and stuff. So I was like, I don't know what's happening, but obviously there's children crying. So I'm just going to comfort them. And then like, and I'm just like part of the ceremony. So I'm like, obviously not trying to ask questions during it. Then afterwards, when I was able to ask some questions, my coworkers were just like, oh, this is like, that's very like typical. That's like, like one of my coworkers just said, like, that's just like the Thai way that like students would get emotional or pay their respects to teachers that way. Like they're just getting, she was, I was like saying, oh yeah, I didn't know what was happening. So I was like afraid, like what made these students so upset? And she was like, nah, like the students are just essentially crying because they're so grateful for us and feel bad maybe for how they've treated teachers and whatnot. So that's just a little background about what teachers, how teachers are viewed or um, seen, respected in Thailand, but changing, shifting gears a little bit. So still giving kind of an overview, setting the scene-ish of my school, but now kind of talking about my actual classes. So last episode I had said how the, um, like the Thai academic calendar I had summer break in March and April which is true for my school and I think most if not all public well that's not true because I know like the local university I think they were on like the same calendar as like an American schooling system or American schooling calendar um and my little cousin that goes to school in Bangkok goes to an international school and she's on summer break right now so her academic calendar mirrors an american academic calendar so my school the summer break was in march april and then the first semester which i'm in now started in may and it will end i think we have finals this past week was actually midterms we have finals i think the last or second to last week of september and then the second semester then there's a a break for i think a week or two and the second semester will start in october and that's when the new eta will come in but so all that being said i don't know if i mentioned this last episode but i teach matium one through matium six so m1 through m6 for short and that's the american equivalent of seven through two seven through twelfth graders last semester i actually only taught m1 through m5 and last semester was also a little bit funky because I was mostly online, weirdly, because of COVID. I think partially because my school was still, like many other schools, was kind of still figuring out how to navigate making school happen or effective, what was safe during COVID. Um, And, well, anyways, due to all of that, I was teaching online. So I would essentially make video lessons from my apartment um, for students to watch asynchronously because when students aren't actually going to school I think like with anywhere in the world kind of like you're not you can't just assume when students are home they're not sitting in front of the computer all day like you know mirroring the same hours that they would at school so and a lot of students they had to like help their parents with work they had there's other things going on so my school thought it was the best option or most effective for me to make videos for students to watch so they could watch them whenever they could so this semester 
My classes range in size between um, eight students. I have my smallest class is eight students. My biggest class is 45 students. So it's definitely a very, (laughs) very, it it varies a lot. (laughs) So definitely have to have different approaches. Like my eight eight person class is M6. So they're 12th graders. So that's one of my easier classes because they're more mature, you know, small like smaller class and then my 45 class student is I think it's my ninth grade class so that's just a different ballpark but I teach 12 so I teach 12 times a week but amongst 11 classes so I meet each class once a week and then one class my m5 class so they're 11th graders I meet them twice a week and so I teach essentially two to three times every day more. So Monday through Wednesday, I teach twice a day. I have two classes a day. Each class period is 55 minutes, unless we have a special schedule because of a holiday or something. And then Thursday through Friday, I teach three classes. And at my school, there's a quote unquote, like English room. So amongst me and my fellow English teachers, we have a schedule um, that shows like who can use the English room at what during what time period so some of my classes that what that means is some of so classes will come to the English classroom which there's nothing special it's just next to the English lounge so classes will come to the English uh room and then other classes I go to the actual classroom for the class so which I think for the most part the classroom is when I'm going to a classroom to teach a class that's like their homeroom classroom essentially and that's about it for the continued high level overview of my teaching experience where I am what my department structure looks like what my class and class size looks like all that good kind of boring key fact ish stuff (laughs) but next episode i am (laughs) which you've all been waiting for i'm going to get into more so teaching english specifically as a farong or foreigner that's the thai word for foreigner and it's widely and heavily used i would say but i'm going to talk more about my role as a farong foreign as a farong (laughs) english teacher and what that's been like and what that looks like on a more day-to-day basis. As always, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed. Uh, talk to y'all soon-ish. And LMK, if you have episode ideas or things you want to hear about since this season is more lax and more go with the flow, I'm recording these episodes based on loose frameworks and ideas so if there's something you want to hear about that I haven't covered or that you don't think I'm going to cover or you're curious about let me know and I'll make sure to include it in an episode I peace hope you enjoyed bye